We're going to talk about God's workmanship this morning. We're going to talk about the fact that we are God's workmanship. And the things that we do and things that we say and advocate to people, we've, we've talked about that the last two nights in various different ways. Last night we talked about serving people and serving people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the ultimate service that you could do for someone would be to bring the word of truth to them from the Bible. And so we're going to take a little different approach to that this morning. We're going to talk about how we are God's workmanship, the visible presence of God in other people's lives. So God's workmanship, it comes from Ephesians 2 and 10, the, the term, the title did for this lesson. Here Paul tells the Ephesian Christians, For ye are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Paul tells these Christians, and us too today, that we are created in Christ Jesus for his workmanship. The visible presence of God is only present in Christians. Now I can't see God. The Bible tells us that no man has seen God, but God can be seen through you and me when we follow His plan and do His will. So we are created to carry out good works. Good works are an essential part of the plan that God put before the world. God knew what He was doing on this, didn't He? You know, God could have created a faith in, a, in each one of us. And it could have been right at birth, or it could have been when we were five years old. It just, you know, when you're five, it clicks in and you've got all the faith that you need. But the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So if you want faith in your life, and if you need more faith in your life, then we need to hear more of God's Word, because that's what does it. We don't have a time when, when it just clicks in. And we've got all the faith that we need. We have to work at that. And I believe God fully well has got the best plan because He wants to know the intent of our heart. He wants to know our desires as we serve Him, as we look upon Him, we look upon His will and what He does. He wants us to be willing participants, not just a, a robot. You know, if He had that click in at five years old or ten years old or whatever it was, then you'd have to put no effort into that, would you? God wants our heart into this thing. He wants us to be all in for Him because we are His workmanship. And then when we think about the good things that we might do, we'll look at that again here in just a minute, but God knew that mankind would respond to that stuff. That's what people respond to. Well, they respond to bad things too. But we're talking about in a positive way for the Lord. Mankind is going to respond to the good things that they see in me and you. They're going to respond to what we do. Because we are the visible presence of God. God ordained people to do the work. No man has seen God like we said, speaking of Jesus. Colossians 1 and 15 who is the image of the invisible God, he's talking about Christ here, the firstborn of every creature. And they could see Christ, and they could see God through Him as well. So Christians represent God. The earthly presence 
of God. That's a tremendous responsibility here, okay? You let that one sink deep into you. A lot of times we don't think we have a responsibility. A lot of times we just live our life because in the guidelines that we create, and every day we work towards those goals that we create, and those, those dreams that we have, and all of that, and we don't think that maybe there's a bigger picture in our life, but there is. And the reason it is, is because you have influence on people. Last night in the, in the lesson we taught that you've got influence with people that I don't have. I don't have that kind of influence. You have people that you know that I've never met, probably never will meet. Most likely will never meet. So you've got an opportunity that I'll never have. You've got an opportunity that Sean will never have or the elders of the church here will never have. But you have a big responsibility because you are the earthly presence of God. So, what, what's the presence of that? Where, how does that surface? What does it look like? We're going to talk about some of that this, this morning. God's presence is visible in our attitude and our knowledge. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through 16... Here Paul writes to the Corinthian Christians, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of, Christ, of God. Now Paul is telling them, you know, you don't, the Spirit that you have in you and, and you Christians have, that's not the Spirit of the world, it's the Spirit of God. That we might know the things that are freely given us of God, which things also we speak. So Paul's saying the things that were given to you by God, that's the things that you speak. That's what people hear from you. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Well, we get confused with that sometimes, don't we? Even in spiritual matters. The Bible might tell us to do one thing, but we decide, no, somebody over here has told us to do something different. I heard a guy say that this is what we're supposed to do religiously. We have to make a decision. Who are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to some guy or some group? Or are we going to listen to the Bible, which is God's Word? All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And what that means is the people that wrote down all of these things in the Bible, they did that by the inspired Holy Spirit. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down the things that they saw, they heard, what people said, and they wrote them all down, and, and it was all compiled in this book that we call the Bible. They didn't sit around and say, you know what, I, here's what I think, and no, y'all, no, okay, we'll you come to an agreement, we'll, we'll compromise, and then this is what we'll put in the Bible. They didn't do that. Those scriptures were written. Now, they've been translated into English and all kind of foreign languages and that kind of stuff. But when those guys wrote down those scriptures, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down what God wanted them to write down. And you can bank on that. You can't bank on mankind. Because mankind will let you down along the way. We see it happen over and over again, don't we? So in verse 13, which things we also speak, not in the words which which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. See what I'm talking about here? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Here in 1 Corinthians 2 and 12, or continuing on in 14, but the natural man, and that's talking about our nature, the natural man, 
It's what we think, right? Not what God thinks, but what we think. The natural, natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. How many times have you ever experienced that? When you might say, well, you know, the Bible says this or that, and maybe somebody you're talking to is maybe not a Christian. And you say, well, the Bible says this, and they look at you like, really? <laughs> I mean, why is that? Why is that? But the natural man receiveth not things receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. That natural man, he's not going to receive those things, for they are foolishness to him unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who who hath known the mind of the Lord? that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. We've talked quite a bit about the mind of Christ in this gospel meeting. We ought to put on that mind of Christ. We ought to have that mind of Christ. We're about When we study the scripture, we know what the mind of Christ is. And that's what we should walk in. But the natural man doesn't, because to him it's foolishness. So God is visible. In John 1 and 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He had declared Him. We haven't seen Him, but we know a lot about Him, don't we? Because Jesus has led us that way. The inspired writers have led us that way. We know quite a bit about God, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to know Him, to know His mind, to know His Spirit, what He likes and dislikes, what He wants us to do and not to do. But God is visible in our speech. That's where He's visible. There's going to be other ones that we're going to talk about. In our speech, the, the things that we say to people, our manner of, and tone of, of even the delivery of that, it's not just, you know, you say, well, yeah, that's right, we shouldn't be using foul language. You're right, we should not be using foul language, but it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that to include the things that we would teach someone the things that we would advocate to them in, our, in the way that we talk with them. In Colossians 4 and 6, the Bible says here, Paul telling the, the Christians here, let your speech be always with, always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Now that, to me, would be an odd way to write that down, I guess, you know, to say seasoned with salt. But what he's talking about is choose your words. And there's all kinds of sayings about that, you know. I've heard them all kinds of things about, you know, choose your words and make them sweet for you never know which ones you're going to have to eat, you know. You just don't know. You don't know what words are going to come back to you, right? That's really what this is getting at. Choose your words. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. We need to be careful about how we think, say things and what we say to people because it has a great impact. If they know you're a member of, of this congregation, and maybe they're not, maybe they've never been here, they're going to listen to you. They're going to listen to you and how you respond to things. So God is visible in our dedication to Christ when times are hard. You know, sometimes that's a real test. Is You know, when everything's going great, man, I tell you what, we all roll pretty good, don't we? 
things are going good, you know, the cars are not broke down, the family's not in a big uproar, got enough money to pay the bills, we got all of that kind of stuff, and we look pretty good maybe during those times. What about the times when we don't? What about the times when we don't have enough money to pay the bills and things are not going good and the family's kind of out of whack? Those times are hard, aren't they? God is going to be visible in how we react to those things. Because what does he want us to do? Paul's speaking here in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 30. Are they ministers of Christ? And that means servants. I speak as a fool. I am more, and labors more abundant, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequent, and deaths off. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. At night, A night and day I have been in the deep. Now this is Paul here. And Paul's not bragging about what's all the bad things that happened to him. He wasn't that kind of guy. You know, every now and then we'll, we might meet somebody that kind of goes on and on about all the bad things that's happened to him. And I guess, you know, maybe they're doing that to gain sympathy. He wasn't trying to gain sympathy here. He was teaching these people how to act when things are not going well. And boy, what a list of things. Look at that again. All of those different things that he had. And labor's more abundant and stripes above measure. Stripes means when he was whipped with a whip, beaten with a whip. And he had stripes on his back. And that was a brutal punishment that they did during that time of life. And prisons more frequent and deaths off. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes. There you go. That Thrice, that means three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. And night and a day I have been in the deep. People could see the suffering that Paul did. And they also saw how he reacted to it. And he, he reacted correctly. Because he had a love of Christ. And he had the visible, visibility of God in, in, in the things that he did. So Paul's speaking here and going on and journeying often in perils of water and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils by the heathen and perils in the city and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren and weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness. He had been through it all. Yet he kept on pushing toward the high mark. And that's what he was really getting at. Besides those things which are without and which cometh upon me daily, he's talking about all these things just come all the time, you know. These things come, I'm putting up with this stuff all the time, every day. But besides that, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I, am, I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The things that he had had done to him. He suffered a lot. But all through that, God was visible. We are visible to mankind. What do people see? Do they see God in our life? The visible dedication to the church is another way that God is visible. Your dedication to the church and what the church does and all the activities of the church, the church attendance, all the extra things that, that we call them extra things, maybe, you know, be like a gospel meeting. All the times that the church is getting together, what is your 
dedication to that. Are you dedicated to that? That is a time when God can be visible in our life. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and this is well studied, I suppose, but I want to think about this in, in just a minute. And when we think about our dedication to the church, in Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And that's what 24 says. It talks about our chance or, or the consideration of us provoking each other to love and good works. Your ability and opportunity to provoke someone else, to strengthen someone else, to uplift someone else to good works. What does he go on to say in 25? Not forsaking, that means not forgetting, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, the scripture says not to forsake the assembling of the church. But I believe verse 24 is, is the key to that thing right there. I mean, you can tell somebody, hey, don't forget to come to church. Why? Go back up in 24 and look at that again. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. When you're here, you are provoking or you are helping other people to love each other and to do good works and to work together as a unit, an assembly is an assembly, but it's an assembly of the church. Now you've got the local church and you've got church worldwide. And all the churches worldwide are, are what we call autonomous. We don't have a hierarchy because we don't see one in the Bible. So we have local elders that have the spiritual oversight of the church. We have deacons that take care of the physical things of the church. And they don't take the care of the things of the church down here in the next city. We're autonomous. But each, each congregation of the Lord's church should function in this way. Why? To provoke one another into love and good works. It's not just about what we read. We've got, we got to get together. We've got to, to come together and love each other and support each other and pray for one another. That's a long list of prayer right there, wasn't it, this morning? Do you know what? You can go to most any church across the land and they're going to have a prayer list. Some of those people might be on that prayer list, but there'll be some people on there that weren't on this one and all of this, that, and the other. We would literally be here for the next two or three days reading all the prayer lists across the land. But you see how important it is to provoke one another into love and good works? When you come together in this assembly this morning, we have prayed in unison. One man lead the prayer, and we all prayed together, and then we said amen to agree to what he said. And as a church, we have prayed for one another. God is visible. We are His workmen. And we're the only way that that gets done. That's the way He wants it done. So God is visible in our dedication to mankind. And I'm talking about maybe people outside of the church now. But God is visible in that. Matthew 25 and 40. And the king shall answer him and say unto him, Verily I say unto you, As much as you have done it, and to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. We talked about this last night. So God is visible on our outlook towards other Christians. And back up for just a minute. Again, visible to our dedication to mankind. Jesus says that. When you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. But also God is visible in our outlook towards other Christians. 
And there's Christians all across this world we haven't met yet. But they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. In Galatians 6 and 10, For we have therefore opportunity, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto them, unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And that means Christians. So we're supposed to do good to all men, right? But especially to the Christians. That's what the Lord told us in His Holy Word through the pen of Paul. Paul wrote this to the Galatians. And he said, do good to all men. And he said, but you need to take care of your your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's my words there, but it means the same thing as what he was saying. So God is visible in our outlook to those Christians. Here's another verse. Be kindly affection one to another, in brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. If we're going to prefer somebody, we are to prefer our fellow Christians. These are the people that we should draw close to, the closest to. These are our family. And we need to prefer them. I need to prefer you and you to me and all of us to each other. Because the Lord's church is a family. Now we're going to talk about brothers and sisters here for just a minute. And that comes from, the, or I have a, an example in Scripture here in, in James 2 and 15. If a brother or sister... Be naked and destitute of daily food. Now, we're not talking about this in particular, but I wanted to use the term brothers and sisters right out of the Bible because that is a biblical term. You have many, many family members. You have many, many brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm going to tell you, in, in my story, I guess, I I wasn't raised up going to to church quite a bit, and I was, wasn't raised up going to Church of Christ. But when I became a member of the body of Christ back in the 70s, that's been a long time ago, I got a new family. And you know what? It was a wonderful family. And it's a family that I appreciate. You know, there's a lot of benefit in, in being raised, what we call raised in the church. And that means that your mom and daddy brought you when they was holding you in their arms and brought you all the way up. Hey, that's a great benefit. I wish I would, could have been done that way, but you know what? We've all got value. We all bring something to the church as far as our, our experiences, right? And maybe you weren't raised in the church, and I wasn't, but I see the benefit of having these brothers and sisters, and maybe you were raised in the church, and maybe by seeing other people that weren't raised in the church, maybe you can have some compassion on those that haven't. What a wonderful thing it is to have brothers and sisters in Christ. I can literally go all the way across this country, coast to coast. You can too. And you can go meet people that are members of the body of Christ. And they will take you and and treat you like their brother or their sister. What a wonderful thing that is. It's kind of of odd, you know, remember uh, the wisdom that we have from above is not the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world says, are you kidding? <laughs> you're, going to go some, you're going to go out to California and be a brother and sister immediately to, to someone out there? Yeah. Because it's different. When you're a child of God, it's very much different. You do have that, that new family, brothers and sisters. So they're go- these are all good works that we talked about. Um, the value of good works is this. 
Philippians 2 and 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights of the world. The Philippians were being told here by Paul that, that they're living in a crooked and perverse nation. Do you think that our nation is crooked and perverse? I'll say our world. Is it crooked and perverse? You'd probably say, oh, yeah. I mean, if you read the news on the Internet or newspaper, a lot of people don't do that now, but I still do. But uh, you don't have to read so much to, or very long to figure out that, that there's a lot of meanness in this old world. There's a lots of meanness. And we hate that, but you know what? That's nothing new. If you read some historical accounts of, of the days of the early church and some of those things that were going on and, and some of the things that people did to Christians back then, it was bad. So we've always lived in that condition, but we don't have to take on that lifestyle. And, and that's where I think, you know, the, we, we talk about the value of having a church family and all that. It's just so valuable to have that. This is a place of peace. This is a place of comfort. This is a place of honesty. And where people show honest love and affection one to another. And we've all got problems. I mean, nobody is void of problems. But I know of no place else that you can go other than the church to connect with people in the right way. This is it. And what happens to us as Christians, we can shine as lights of the world because people will see us, right? God uses examples in our words. God's Word uses examples to teach. Second um, Peter 2 and 6. Here the Bible says, And the turning, and the turning of, the so of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. So the Bible uses examples... Sometimes they're bad examples even. And that's what we're talking about here. When we think about Sodom and Gomorrah, we all kind of know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. That was a place they were in a mess. They were in a wreck, right? And God destroyed them. And the Bible says here in Peter that the reason he did is to make an example. This is an example of what can happen to folks when they don't follow God's plan. So examples, we can talk about good examples. We can talk about bad examples. This is a bad one. Now, it's going to teach us to do better, but examples teach something. Now, let's talk about good examples. In 1 Timothy 4 and 12, here the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy. He's writing, writing a letter to him. And here's what he says. Let no man despise thy youth. He was a young guy. And Paul's trying to encourage him. You know, don't, don't let people get on to you just because you're a young guy, okay? Because Timothy had it together. Paul is training him though, right? He's training him for life. And we talked about this in, in one of our other lessons about the, the fact that Timothy did not have a Christian dad. He was raised by his mother and his grandmother spiritually and, and that's what pre prepared him for life. But he said, Paul saying here, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. And what he wanted, he wanted Timothy to be out there, even though he was a young guy, he wanted him to be an example of the believers and to the believers. You know, that's what God wants you to do. If you're a young person here today, God wants you to be an example of the believers. 
And you can encourage people that, and you, we all think about, yeah, you know, these young guys, young folks need to, to, to be a good example so they can encourage their people that are their same age. Well, that's true. That's one thing you can do. But you know what? When you're an example and you're young, it encourages me. It encourages people that are older than me. Because we see God working in your life. We see God being an important thing in your life. You're in this assembly this morning. Number one, that puts you way far and above what we might see out here in the world. But you're an example to me. You're an example to the oldest. I don't know who's the oldest person. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm, who the oldest person is in the assembly, I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. When that person, whoever the oldest one in the assembly, turns around and sees all of these young people doing the right thing, you're uplifting. You're provoking them unto good works. To love and good works. That's what, remember? Hebrews, what we read in that? To provoke one another to love and good works. That's what you're doing when you're a young person and with a good example. And that's what he told him. He said, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. What in? What, Paul? Which way? What do you want him to do? What do you want Timothy to do? He said, be an example in word, in conversation, in charity. That means love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Paul wanted Timothy to be an example in purity so that he could lead people by his example. We're all led by example. So people will see God by your faith. They may not ever see God in any other way. We meet people all the time that, that they really don't know anything about the Bible. Maybe they don't even have a Bible. Maybe they've never had a desire to have a Bible, but we can be an example in faith to them. In James 2 and 18... Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. We are visible to the, to the world. What are they going to see? And we carry a, um, the word of God to others, and that makes us special. Because not everybody does that. Each Christian should do that as we have opportunity. We should carry the Word of God to other people. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 and 7, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. This is a dark world. And we can shine a good light into that dark world, right? Has shined in our hearts to give the light of, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now I want you to focus on verse 7 here for just a minute. Paul's telling the church members at Corinth that the treasure that we have of, of the Jesus Christ and salvation is carried in earthen vessels. Now I live down on the Texas Gulf Coast. We have a lot of vessels down there. They carry oil and they go out to sea and all that. A vessel is no more than something that carries something. These red Solo cups that everybody uses on these dinners and all that stuff, that's a vessel because it carries a liquid. We are earthen vessels that carry the Word of God 
We are the ones that do that. There's not another way that it's done. There's not one more way that it's done other than that because that's what God had had for us to do. And your faith must be that glory to God that we've been talking about. Romans 4, verses 19 and 20. And being not weak in the... Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promises of the, through unbelief, but strong in faith gave glory to God. Faith. We must be a good example of a believer. Our light must shine to the world. And we must cast off the works of darkness. In Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, and that knowing the time that now is now, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us talk honestly as in the day not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. This is talking about how we act and what people see in us. It's talking about the example that we, that we put forth to the world. It said, don't do that. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't do that. We have an opportunity, each one of us, to show God's workmanship. It is it is what we can do. It's what each one of us can do. It's working now, Zane. We've had a little difficulty here with the computer uh, here the last couple of nights, but it's okay. I think we're working now. We've all been pur- purchased by that blood of Christ. We have been redeemed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the blood that was shed on the cross. It makes us special. It makes us special from the world. I want to read a quote here as we bring the lesson to a close. And this is from a friend of mine. This is not a Bible verse, but I believe it's true. I think we can, we can make comments, and sometimes it's because of what we read in the Bible and, and the ideas that we come up with, right? When we see a fellow Christian, we are seeing the handiwork of Jesus, our Lord. He takes this earthly, fleshly heart and changes our thoughts and goals, reshaping our desires and molding us into a very useful vessel. There's that term again. We are His, His workmanship. We are unique. You are unique. All of us are that wear the blood of Christ and name the name of Jesus. Be unique for Jesus. That's our message this morning. Be unique for Jesus. Be different. We don't want to just blend into this cruel, cold world. If we blend in, then we we never have a light that shines to the world, do we? Jesus said, so let, your light so, shine, so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5.
Be unique for Jesus. People will see God through your life. We are God's workmanship. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.